0: All right, before we get started with today's show, start yucking it up with each other, let's tell you about the real comedians. AEG Presents is thrilled to announce Burt Kreischer live at Red Rocks Amphitheater Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. He's joined by Mark Norman. Folks, it is time to go get your tickets. All you need to do? Download the Red Rocks app before your visit, which you should already have done, to be honest. It's a great app. It's so easy to purchase your tickets to your favorite show or concert. If you didn't know, Burt's an American stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and host who prefers to sell out cra- crowds across the country. Described as having a rare and incredible talent, that's a quote, an anonymous quote. Bert has evolved from being named Rolling Stone's number one partier in the nation to one of the top names in comedy. Now you can check him out at Red Rocks. Just download that Red Rocks app. Check him out September 8th, 2021.
1: Man, we got Loser's Lounge music for a Monday. I guess that's appropriate. That sounds right. It does feel, it does feel a bit like a loser because the boss is back.
0: Oh no. no.
1: The boss is back, it feels like a Loser's Lounge. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to the DNVR Nuggets Podcast Monday edition, Monday mailbag edition. And we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up. Um, guys, you may have noticed it's an earlier time. I don't know if you noticed that vote.
0: I did notice. I did notice. Yeah, get on the stream yard at 9.30 a.m. Slightly different. So that <laughs> one caught my eye.
1: We are coming to you slightly early, uh, much to the chagrin of super producer Kale Sorbo down, down there below and uh, Brendan Vote. And Harrison's so upset, he didn't even show up today. He said, for Yeah, he that just
0: said, <laughs> I think his exact words were F that, I'm out of here. But I could <laughs> be wrong.
1: No, the truth is that um, new schedule, off season schedule for myself personally, I got to pick up my kids at three o'clock. I got to pick them up across town. So I thought
0: you were. I thought you were committed to this team. But look, it's all right. Your responsibilities are spread. Children. All
1: right. Oh, you know, you're down here, buddy. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm close enough. I'm close enough. So yeah, you guys, is a Monday mailbag edition. So we got a bunch of questions. Every Monday, you guys know we put out the tweet. Send us in your questions. And we got some good ones. Sometimes, I'm not going to lie, vote. Sometimes we get some questions. I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. I create a fake account so I could send a question. This week, not the case. Lots of great questions in the mailbag.
0: Yeah, I think we got uh, seven different versions of, um, what did you think of Zeke Najee's Summer League? No, I'm just kidding. We've got more topics. We've got more to talk about today. I'm excited. I'm pumped.
1: Um, I will say, uh, the first way we're going to start the show today is just to talk about what you missed most about me while I was yeah. on the show for a week. Um, is it hard to pick just one thing?
0: I, w- I think it's the way you bully me and like mean it. I think that <laughs> there was a hole that wasn't filled
1: yeah, that's definitely the case. Um, no, there was, I, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but it, I felt like a lot of things happened last week, but maybe that's just because when you miss a whole week, it feels like a lot's happened. You know, Jason Terry got hired, hired by the Gold. He's going to be the head coach. That's pretty fascinating. Yep. The schedule came out. I guess that was it. Was there anything else that happened last week?
0: No, that really was it, more or less. It was enough to stretch some segments, but at the same time, um, it was a lot of nothing. Do you have Jason Terry thoughts, though, since we've got you on the show, boss? Um, I, I
1: It's hard. It's hard to have thoughts on it because it is the G League. So you wonder how connected he'll be to the Nuggets organization. I, he'll be connected in some some way, but like how connected. But I will say it's cool to have a former player in the organization. It's such a, a, a big spot. So I do think that there's something cool about that um you talk about bones highland he'll probably be one of the main players over there marcus howard so you know i'm sure i know you guys talked about that he's he's a guard and a very good one i was surprised at how many people when it happened commented about him being a really high iq player back in his day because i you know i wasn't a big jason terry guy but i i I thought okay lots of confidence lots of swagger great shooter, great score but i didn't realize you know he was such a, a high iq player at least that was his reputation
0: yeah, that wasn't my perception, though, but I do think there's a longevity angle, to He sort of figured out how to stay alive in the NBA for a very long time, uh, and I brought this up with Wind. He is a guy who saw the NBA change quite drastically from the time when he won a title to his final year with the Bucs, when the league, right. I mean, nearly a completely different game. So in theory, at least, you know, he should have a good perspective on, on what it means to adapt and survive in this league.
1: There was something. So last night, I'm actually down in Colorado Colorado Springs, and I see Austin Rivers goes live, and I I hop on to check his Instagram live. I love when players do this with no plan. They just go there and just start answering questions as they come in. But somebody asked Austin who the best shooter is on the team. And he said, no question, it was Michael Porter Jr. As if, like, this wasn't one he had to think about, you know, maybe this or that. And he kind of walked it back a little bit, talking about, like, Jamal Murray has more types of shots in his arsenal in his mid range game and off the dribble. But he's like, but dude, if we're talking about just shooting, like just catch and shoot shooting, he's like, it's Michael Porter and it's not close. I was a little bit surprised by that, by how in- in- emphatic he was, even though that's my answer.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing is, Adam, we don't necessarily get to see what Austin does in terms of scrimmages and practice and closed door stuff right. um, where I'm sure Porter is absolutely knocked down. So in that respect, it doesn't surprise me. I am laughing to myself. If this was a four-person panel, I may have to try to just for the sake of variety try to get hot with Marcus Howard or Paul Millsap or just sneak <laughs> some weird. But when it's just two of us, you can say, "Look, man, how could it not be Porter? Right? Whether he figures this this whole thing out or not, th- there's generational potential because he's a generational shooter, and that's that's point A, B, and C when it comes to him. Do you remember me
1: saying this last year? I said I. I said there's probably a likely best shooter on the team, and it's not who you think, and it was Marcus Howard. And look, it's yeah, it's defensible. I mean, it is defensible, but I still think when you watch Marcus Howard shoot and you watch MPJ shoot, MPJ looks like he'll never miss. His shot
0: is so perfect. Unbelievable, man. Unbe- and even even more so, again, in these relaxed settings that we're not necessarily privy to. We've talked about it plenty, but when he doesn't have to do a ton of of overthinking with regards to his role and he's just playing basketball – He's not hitting rim too often.
1: The Houston Rockets. I, I think a lot of teams do this. Maybe all teams do this, but I know the Houston Rockets at one point had some type of tracking data, like in their facility, mm-hmm. where they would take um, inventory of every player's shot. And this didn't wasn't just scrimmages. This was also like workouts, you know. And so I always mm-hmm. think about how fascinating. I remember one of the points was the reason I know this is that somebody was saying that all players, almost across the board, shot like twenty percent better from three or from the free throw line or whatever it was, you know, when in practice than they did in games, it was like a significant number. Meaning if you have a catch and shoot three point shooter, of shooting like 36%. He was like 56% when they were sure. in the gym, just him doing, doing shooting drills. And so, um, I would love to see those numbers for the nuggets. I'm so curious. Who do you think would have the biggest gap? The guy that I think about historically is probably like Tyler Lydon. I bet Tyler sure. Lydon was an 80% three point shooter in practices.
0: Yeah, I it sure looked that way in Warmups. You're just trying to get the guy to shoot in a game because yeah. he really was that knockdown. Um Wancho oh, Open Jim yeah. Wancho was pretty I could watch yeah. that jump shot for days, but you know yeah. you know I wonder in this context is Jamal, who like of course has some of the craziest shooting performances I've ever seen. But like, I wonder how much that translates to just open gym, knock down, doesn't miss anything. I almost feel like he's a guy who thrives more from from those game environments that make it harder for everyone else. The only player in the NBA that shoots worse in practice. (laughs) Yeah, that's my theory. That's what I'm that's what I'm peddling.
1: I'll bet Bones Highland is a guy that, like, in practice, has a ridiculous. I, I can't wait to get oh, in. Hopefully, yeah. this year we get access again back to being able to see these guys practice and do because the end of practices is always the shooting competitions, and I want right. to see one because I think Bones will be like a guy wanting to to challenge everybody. But I'll bet he's a practice shooter, man. I really do. Um, I bet he's in
0: practice talker too.
1: <laughs> I bet he's, he's real vocal. <laughs> he's a practice talker in the best way. Um, another piece of news, guys. This is like Facebook memories. Facebook memories. One year oh, ago yes. today, Tote, one year ago today, the worst day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Can you bring it up, Kale? Do you have the worst day of my life or the, the graphic I have? Is actually when you just look at the raw numbers, it actually looks like it should be the best day ever. It was the game 4 loss to the Utah Jazz. And actually, this wasn't as bad as Game Three. The Game Three loss was the one where we were like, you know, ready just to jump. But Game Four was the one where they went down three-one, and it was like Denver played well finally. Um, but you know, it was here, here. It is. Look at look at this. Look at this crazy stat line: fifty points from Jamal, eleven rebounds, nine of fifteen from the three-point line, and then you go across the other way: fifty-one points, seven assists, and then a very impressive seventeen of eighteen free throws uh, from Donovan Mitchell. So two fifty pieces in the same game. An all-timer, but what is your what are your memories of, of one year ago today?
0: Uh, so this was game four, right? Is Correct. that accurate? So I remember b- being I remember not realizing that either of these guys were this good. Uh, <laughs> you know, that I'd yeah. undersold either of them respectively. Sure, you know, we've all got our opinions, we're all wrong often, but that they would both kick it into just this this top, this 99th percentile playoff scoring level. Um, And then the mental thing, I just remember it it wasn't just the way they were playing. It was the look on both of their faces. Like, well, they could do this all night and neither of them would really slow down. And and so I just, I don't know, man, it was, it was almost hard to be as worried and frustrated and all of that about the nuggets. It it was a little more of just to appreciate what was in front of us kind of night. Um, and obviously, as we know now, a-, a wave Jamal was ready to to ride out and, and just change the way he's perceived locally and nationally.
1: All week, I've been on a Jamal Murray kick, man. Like I'm, mm. I'm missing him more now. This last week, I think, than I have at any point. So, you know, over the last couple months, like. Some of it is seeing the videos. Some of it is, I I, I don't know where I saw, but somebody posted some highlights, you know, of the bubble or whatever. And I just go back. In fact, I I actually, somebody posted a highlight package of Jamal and I went, I watched it all the way through start to finish twice in a row because it was that enjoyable. But also it got me to what I kind of want to talk about before we get to the mailbag here, which is I went back and forth with our friend of the show, Joel Rush from Forbes magazine or Forbes.com and I've said this a lot. In fact, I think the first time I said this was back when the Nuggets played the Lakers when Jamal Murray did the dribble around Lonzo Ball thing, and I wrote mm-hmm. an article over at Denver Stiff saying that like he, as much as anybody in the NBA, has what I think is like an accurate de- representation of of mama mentality. Like, there's a lot of like dumb interpretations of that, but sure. I think like, Jamal maybe has the bit the the most of any player this idea of like thriving under pressure and embracing challenges. But I also think Jamal Jamal's game might be more similar to Kobe's than just about any player in the NBA. He's a guard, so it's different. He's 6'5", and he's a point guard. And, you know, obviously Kobe Bryant's 6'6", and a shooting guard. So they're naturally a little bit different. But I actually think the footwork, the, the moves, the style of play, it more mim- mimics Kobe. I, I don't know if there's another player that I would say that's more Kobe.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that they they at least got that one campaign together, right? And that Murray clearly viewed it as an influence. Um, the footwork thing is, I is I think the most sort of apt sort of angle of this comparison. Who are some of the other guys that often get uh, Devin Booker gets it a lot, um, and I think
1: Murray and Booker are, are pretty similar players, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. both Murray and Booker are more three point shooters than Kobe, but I think that's as much in uh, them being six five instead of six 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 seven. And as much sure. of them being in 2020 instead of 2000, exactly. you know, 1996 exactly. or whatever.
0: But he is that is undoubtedly the cloth he's cut from, right? Certainly a shadow of the form as Kobe was MJ before him. But um, that another, I think
1: another, that's yeah. another one that comes from would be Tatum. Would be Jason Tatum. I think a lot of people would say Jason Tatum in there, but I think Tatum is almost one of the things about Kobe was like he's an attacker, right? He's just like. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of like, I'm going at you. I think Tatum has like almost perfect footwork, but there's almost, he's almost a dancer. You know, the way he plays is almost like artful instead of like Jamal Murray is just, I
0: mean, a killer. And it's smooth, but it's also like very vertical. Like, like, I don't know. There's an upright sort of stiffer kind of thing to Tatum. Like Kobe had a little bit of that slither, you know, kind of herky jerky thing to him as well. Um, Tatum's slightly stiffer. Tatum's footwork is just whether you want to make comparisons or not, it's just so good. And I think that's the source of that.
1: There have been players who have had like Joe Johnson was a player with really good footwork and, but you wouldn't compare him to like Michael Jordan or anything because it was sure. a very much a like, I don't, I'm not soft is the wrong word for it. It's just, it, he was a finesse player and he was a, uh, like the footwork was everything. Whereas I think Kobe was masterful footwork, but then like, you know, like, like a a Panther or something like he's like, he's using this like great footwork to be aggressive and go right chest to chest at you. Whereas Joe Johnson, I feel like was always just trying to get an inch
0: of separation for this or that. Right. But what, what, what Murray has too, is just the, the, you can wearing the verging on psychopathy on their sleeve. Right. Right. I mean, just dripping in, in emotional emotionality and raw energy.
1: And we talk like Jamal Murray, he's matured a lot in his time in Denver. But I think one of the things that can be frustrating about his personality is also like things that I that is part of that, what he shares with Kobe and that like he's in his own world sometimes. Yes. And I think that's part of where you're like, bro, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to slight you or I'm not trying to pigeonhole you or I'm not you don't need to do this or that, but like he does need to, because it's just how he's wired. He, like, he That's for him. That's like, what's going on yeah. up
0: here. Yeah, and exactly.
1: It's it can be very frustrating, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, I don't have that Mamba mentality. So who
0: am I to say that to change hey. who you are? Every, every great artist has a process and that process makes them all pains in the ass as we know all too well from hanging out with Eric Weedham every day.
1: Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Can't believe it. Um, So I just love it. Like uh, maybe that's a video I'll work on here in the off season. I wonder if the people would enjoy it. Just kind of a, a Kobe um Murray comparison because Ooh, be I put cool. this out on Twitter. This is like I saved this for the chat. I almost threw this out on like Saturday whenever I was talking to Joel. I almost threw this out and then I was like, dude, I will just get dunked on by Annihilate. the Twitter mob, the like hive mind Twitter mob that's like, no way, he's nothing. He's not even in the top ten. But I actually. I'm. I'm. I watch a lot of Jamal. I watch a lot of Kobe. Kobe was my favorite player for many, many years. I watch a lot of them. They're. They're way more similar than I think people realize. Um. So. All right. Anything else before we take our first break here? Um, Well, I just want to say.
0: Don't look any further than the actual Murray mentality thing. I mean, this is something that Jamal is like openly embracing. Yeah. It's got a logo, I believe. So. It has a logo. I think so. I There's think like a logo
1: so. For Murray mentality? I oh, feel
0: like wasn't he wearing a, a chain or a shirt? I don't know. I gotta double check.
1: This is what this is weirdly, this is a Jamal thing. Like most people would just say Mama mentality and copy, like I have something else. He's like, No, I have my own mentality. It's yeah, hundred percent. It's, yeah. it's mine. Like a hundred percent. me. And it does make you, you know, how he approaches this rehab will be so fascinating. Um, we'll talk about that I know on the other side, but you know Kobe that was a big thing with him it was in me he has the famous stories where he's like when he went and shot the free throws after the Achilles injury he said that was because mentally I was starting my rehab like I didn't mm. there was no like all right I'm gonna take a week off I'm gonna do this or that like no it was like I that for me was a sign of like hey we're starting a new process and this is the first step and you got there's something you gotta respect about that like I always thought it was kind of it felt performative or almost dumb that he would shoot those free throws. But the farther I got removed from it, the more I'm like, no, that actually was, that was, it's all mentality. And sometimes these token, token acts
0: actually carry, can carry real big meaning if you allow them to. And that's definitely, it's it's what you get when someone, when it's the truth, when they're walking that walk, you know. Um, I see this comment here. I think Jamal should learn from Kyrie.
1: I'm not sure what he could learn from him. Because the thing about Kyrie is he has probably the best handle in the history of, of basketball, at least in my time viewing basketball. It's certainly But Should he learn that? Like, yeah, it's like saying he should learn Steph Curry shooting. Sure. I don't know <laughs> that it can be. Like, I, I do think he <laughs> could learn to improve his handle, although Jamal Murray has some really, really – he's not quick, but he gets free a lot because of really nice footwork and, and moves and, yes. and handle. For like, he has a very good handle. Um is it finishing around the basket again? Kyrie's so good at that. He's so skilled at that. So, the things that Kyrie are good at, I'm not sure how much Jamal can learn from it. All other than just trying to be better shooter, better finisher, better. Sure. Game.
0: I don't think the the elite movement when we're sort of talking about these tiers physical movement. I don't think it comes as easily for Jamal as it does for some of the other top tier guys. Now we, that doesn't. We've still seen him peek out at that production and higher than a lot of these guys can produce. But there is a, you know, I, we always talk about the way star players move, you know, for the first few years of Jamal, it was a process learning how to sort of get around guys. It wasn't this fluid, you know, 99th percentile twitchiness or anything. But like
1: that, that process was so close to being complete. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with this with this Kobe comparison is when I'm going back and watching video from even this year on, on Jamal, I'm just like, man, he was so much better from a footwork standpoint than hmm than I think people realize. And I really do, the more I get removed from it, I really do think he was in for a great run. Like everybody talks about what Devin Booker did in the playoffs this year. I honestly think Jamal Murray would have been as good, if not better. And we saw it in the bubble. I know it was a bubble circumstance, but putting up multiple 50-point games, multiple 40-point games, closing out Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with a 40-piece, like I, I really don't think it's crazy to say that Especially when you watch the arc of the season, him getting better and better throughout the season. Yes. This last season, yeah. like I think he would have hit this postseason and given us some real gems. What could have been?
0: That that he'd seen himself do it, right? He's the right. kind of guy where you go, oh, it's, it's on now, and there's right. no looking back. So hopefully yeah. this isn't too much of a bump in the road.
1: All right, let's take our first break. On the other side, we're going to dive right into the mailbag questions. Kale has them all queued up and ready to go. Um, we've taken a look at them, so we'll get to those on the other side. But what do we have today? What do we got?
0: Well, I appreciate the uh, the loyal Nuggets fans hanging out with us in the morning. This read, more of an afternoon or night read, talking about the official beer of DNVR Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, also, that Mile High City Copper Lager. You should have seen it by now. We're drinking it all the time on the live shows. It's got that sleek blue Nuggets branded can. If you're not sure where to find it, punch it into the Breck Beer locator. You tell them what flavor you're looking for, Mile High City Copper Lager. Tell them where you live. It'll They'll tell you where to go to find them. Uh, you can also just come down to the DNVR bar. We got that good brick and stock at all times. The farmhouse is open, socially distanced, beautifully set up for outside dining. Of course, if you're more comfortable at home, you can still order curbside pickup from 12 to 8 p.m. You can get beer delivered to you on the Jaysley app or just head to your nearest grocery store. Order delicious food and booze from the farmhouse if you're able, though. Call 303-803-1380. That's 303-803-1380 from 12 to 8 p.m. Use code DNVR. To save $5, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Adam, you said it was a loser's lounge or you joked it felt like a loser's lounge at the start. I feel like a winner today. I'll tell you why. I had a delicious, delicious green smoothie down the hatch. You know what else I've had? Started my day off right with some Strava Craft Coffee, the delicious CBD infused coffee that also offers decaf now as well. Head to StravaCraftCoffee.com. Remember, if you're a new user, you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25. If you wanna sign up for that subscription service, which you should, you're gonna save 20% off every shipment, every time, every two, four, six, eight weeks. Remember, if you're a first time user, Strava Craft Coffee, Offering 25% off. Use code DNVR25 at checkout.
1: All right, back here. Let's get to some mailbag questions. We need a mailbag like theme song. We I do. Get on that. What, is a mailbag, should, what does mailbag music sound like?
0: We should steal the one from Blues Clues. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but uh, that'll you, get you, us taken down.
1: You reference Blues Clues more often than I would have guessed. It was a big part it, of your childhood.
0: So, yeah, it was a big part of my childhood. More than I realized until I'm, like, unpacking it now at 28. <laughs> but, All right, you
1: know. Kale, what do we have? First question. All right, Mr. Clean QS asks us, what are the matchups that most worry you next year for the Nuggets without Jamal Murray? What actions between MPJ and Jokic are most important for Nugget success? They played pretty good together in Portland series but seem really struggle against Phoenix. I like this one, a two-parter. Well, the first one... What are the, what are the, the matchups that really worry you? This is, um, is this feel like making an excuse? The Phoenix suns, the opening night matchup where it's like, we saw this in the playoffs. They got swept. It's tough when you don't have your, your backcourt to punish the other team's backcourt. So Phoenix would be high on the list of teams. I would, I would kind of highlight.
0: Yeah, It's not an excuse after a sweep. There's a mountain's worth of evidence that suggests tough matchup. We joke, but no joking here. The Kings, of course, um, anytime you got fast, twitchy guards, and you don't have your own guy to sort of counteract that, um, your your new sidepiece team, I assume, the Chicago Bulls, might give him a little trouble. Ooh, can see that?
1: I could see it.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, I could see that one for sure.
1: What did you? Where did you stop here? Did I freeze? Oh. I'm done. Um, those guard teams. I'm trying to think. Like the Warriors probably also present a tough one like any team that can you know what it is it's any team that can defend actually is going to be a team mm. that I think is really tough only because Denver now like has to score and if you have a good defense Denver can score on a good defense they're just that good when they have Jamal Murray but if they don't you could maybe pigeonhole them a little bit more into something and then make it a slog fest, and then it becomes difficult for Denver. So, I even think a Utah maybe could be could be sure. a difficult matchup. Like Rudy sure, sure. Gobert struggles in the pick and roll, but he's a pretty good on ball defender. Like Jokic posting him up, he can do it. But if you're asking him to post up and score thirty, that's a really tall task. So, Utah's another one. Um, I don't know. Really, a lot of your a lot any team that has a big defensive center, but you can't punish them in the pick and roll. I think that would be my teams. Sure. The second part of that sure. question was more interesting to me, though. Uh, pull it back up for Mikhail if you if you don't mind. Um, go into it. He's asking about uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. What are the most important actions between the two? And I think that the most important action is probably is probably still the dribble handoff, which they haven't really perfected just quite yet. I think Michael Porter has to really improve his handle but getting them I don't know that you're going to be able to run too much pick and roll though who knows if like if he's able to do that that would become the most important but a dribble handoff game to me is probably is probably the number 1 thing I look at between those two guys
0: and they had that down in the regular season I mean it looked virtually unguardable but that was because in the regular season the defensive effort is just different and what they the Nuggets didn't have in that two man pairing in the DHO was just any sort of counters, right? Like if, if there was Porter was trying to get to that jump shot, receive the handoff, rise up and shoot. And if, if defenses were ready to take that away, it wasn't like Jamal who could sort of make all these different reads and and sort of make all these different decisions in that action. Porter feels a little more pigeonholed into just receiving the handoff, rising up and shooting when that was being denied in the playoffs, he kind of looked like a deer in the headlights. So being able to 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 score, being able to create a, a threat in more than one way out of that action, I think, is the next step.
1: I love this comment we got in the we got here from Dragon. He says, "Why am I always worried that Jokic will stop being so amazing? And yet, each season he only gets better. It seems I'm afraid to wake up." I, I it's funny because I can kind of relate to this where I'm looking at next yep. year and I'm just like, "Look, wouldn't expect a down year from Jokic. You know, like he just won the MVP." Then you're like, "Why?" He clearly just gets better every single year. He's awesome. He almost never has a bad game. Um, It it is funny how mentally you're just kind of like, Yoke's the one player who things are so perfect with that you just keep, you can't picture more perfect, and you always just picture 20% less
0: perfect because it's so so great. I know. I was just thinking to myself last week, well, he's not going to have a better regular season. And then I stopped and thought, wait, why not? Why not?
1: It is true man like I think about this a lot why not what is it with Yoke this year that like that my mind automatically just goes to slightly lesser even if my in my head like I my honest my honest feeling is that Jokic will be 90% of what he was he might be more similar to the 2019 season than the 2000 or the 2020 season than the 2021 but then I'm like why just because right, he was man. so motivated last year I mean he's he's awesome he's 26 he's just going to be more awesome.
0: I know. And I'm seeing, I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is some of the dumbest analysis we can do, but I'm seeing these pictures and it's like the dude, it still looks like he's in great shape.
1: All right. All right. Well, okay.
0: Okay. I'm glad you put it that way. I'm glad you put it
1: that way because we are in muscle watch season right now. The season where every video gets analyzed. And I will say this is the first year where, I see the comment, like it'll be a picture of literally any player, literally name a player, Michael green. And then like, somebody will be like, Oh man, he's looking like he's added some, some strength. And you're just like these Jokic ones I'm looking at. And that's what I I look at. I'm like, man, he looks tan. He looks normal, but I see the comments and they're like, he's gotten so buff. I'm like, man, that's just the regular yoke.
0: I've been sending you guys off season pictures for three years. Like you see the triceps. Do you see the triceps? Um, so yeah, you're right, but it's more about not going backwards. Just such a again, this was two seasons, right? Joined by the shortest offseason in pro sports history. One of them, this deep bubble run, the second one, plays all 82 games, missing all this help. So, I think what I would did, did he go home and say, Hey, I need a break mentally and physically. I don't know, maybe he did. We're not there, but you can look at the pictures and say. Well, it's not like he's let himself go. I mean, right. there's, there's clearly some commitment and discipline in place here.
1: The, the real truth is that this thought is really what I would be if I were Yoke. And like if I were Yoke, I'd be tired and I'd take some time off. And I'd probably yeah, be a little yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But thank God Yoke is not me. Um, and that's why he's a, the, the top human. Um, I will say there's one player who the hype is actually real when it comes to male form corner offseason edition. No guesses. Who's the one guy? It's not hype.
0: Uh, I don't know. Talk to Vladko.
1: These oh, photos yeah. Sorry, of Vladko are, are real. When we see Vladko, right. it's not like we're squinting to be like, I think he had a muscle. It's like, no, he's shredded.
0: He's absolutely shredded. Every not, we're not squinting. We're going, hang on, is this photoshopped? Jesus. <laughs> every time. The one of him, I don't think I was on the
1: show. For, was I on the show? I don't remember. When he's at the beach. Like the, some of these ones, it's like the lighting, you know, must be like the sure. perfect amount of blue light on him. You can see this. This one, he's like in the sun at the beach, and he just looks like um, prime Jean-Claude Van Damme. Is that his, that's who it
0: is? Yeah, it's like prime him. In, looks like he's in the 300. They like <laughs> Photoshopped the eighth ab on. All
1: right, it's Kel, ridiculous. what's our next question? What position is Zeke? This one's easy one. It comes from the Troops NBA.
0: What position is Zeke? Zeke Najee. Um, I'll let you tackle this one first vote. I have him as a power forward. I just I haven't seen enough from him around the rim to feel like he's like a true center. Uh I think maybe you can get away with him at 3 depending on who the assignment is defensively for for stretches of a game, for stints at a time, but I think if you're sort of figuring out your rotation for now, I see Zeke as a power forward that can effectively stretch the floor, some rebounding prowess. Um, what do you think?
1: I'm with you. I, I think he's the exact same position as Jamichael Green, which is to mm-hmm. say he's a power forward um, who will play center against bench units. Like, he's a bench sure. center. He's a bench combo center forward, but he's a starting forward. One of the things – so, again, uh, analyzing these things sometimes live in the moment, you, you take a week off or, or you step a week back, and then you you reanalyze Zeke Naji's summer league, and still terrible, still a really rough one. The things that stood out to me, negative wise, when we talk about position, is I, I, he didn't he he really wasn't that vertical. He didn't seem to be a guy that's like challenging things vertically. Like even when right. he would right. be and be in great position, guys would shoot shots that would be that were contested. Like he did a good job of making them contested, but for another player, say for a Javale McGee, if Javale was to able to move like that and contest that shot, it'd be a block um, or a tip at the very least. And Zeke always seemed to be you know a little bit short of that. So I think vertically speaking, he's he's just not a center, a traditional center. Right, right. And the same goes, by the way, for like pick and roll lob threads. He's not a guy that you just throw the ball up and he gets up and is above the rim or whatever. So that that aspect of him, I think, is a limitation that just won't go away, that that, that part of it. Um, but he does shoot the three ball. It's funny to think about what things matter and don't matter from the summer league because he didn't shoot the ball well. He did in the regular season. So what is he? A great shooter not great shooter, a mix streaky. Shooter. Like we really just don't know that we don't have enough information. I think he's a good shooter. His form looks good. He didn't do it in summer league. It's a Mark right. against him, but I think he'll be fine. there. dribbling the ball. Like, I just don't think that's going to be a part of his game, but is that a part of your Michael green's game? No, no. Does he ever like take a guy off of the dribble or attack? Like
0: four seconds left in the shot clock stuck at the free throw line. Maybe. Right.
1: Or just like kick out to him, guy flies by straight line drive to the basket for a finish. Like, and I think Zeke can do those as well. But Jamichael Green's not running the break. Zeke tried to run the break this offseason. He tried. It didn't. It didn't work out. Um, so he tried to like take his guy off the dribble or one on one post moves or whatever. Like Jamichael Green's not really doing those either. So it's hard to say what things he did poorly really matter. Um, but I positionally, I just think it's solid power forward playing center against backups. I don't suspect he belongs playing the three yeah. under any circumstance. If he's there, he's mm-hmm. really out of position in my opinion. So,
0: Sure. Am I well, look, you, you you only go down that line of thought because we're in year three of no backup small forwards. Right. In fact, this roster has no starting small forwards, so there's that. There's that um, as
1: well. Yeah. He's clearly to, to me – you- it's funny. Last year he was behind Paul Millsap and JaVale McGee, or for a while it was Isaiah Hartenstein. Now it's JaVale McGee. Those both of those guys are gone, and the same other players are back, so he actually moves up two spots on the depth chart. It's just that that's still fifth, like he's still out of the rotation. I think (laughs) he was seventh, now he's fifth, but he'll play this year. He's gonna play a lot this year. That's my prediction.
0: Um, all right, let's dig into this mailbag. See what I got here. Kale's just like drinking a smoothie. Oh, there we go.
1: (laughs) Chill Ducey, who's got the – look at that avatar. Will Barton in a Rockies jersey. That's a great one. How much concern or confidence do you have with offense initiation from the first two bench guards, Compazo and Dozier? Do you think the bench is going to be able to score? Also, Teddy or Drew, LOL. Um, we'll get to both of those questions, actually, because I don't really care to talk Teddy or Drew, but it is interesting to, to talk about a conversation that is a part of a sport you don't care about as much because it gives you some sure. insight. But um. Uh, what was the first part of the question again? Already, go, already
0: gone. How concerned are you about the offensive initiation? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, look. Rivers, too, would be in here. By
1: the way. Yeah. Compi- like compi- uh, Dozier in this example is probably the backup small forward, even though he's a secondary ball handler. I'm a little bit concerned about it just from a shooting standpoint. I've talked about this. If you add Ru- Rivers to that list, Faku, Rivers, Dozier are all good. Decent three-point shooters when they are set up, but when you're a lead ball handler, you kind of have to be able to set up your own three-point shot to keep the defense yes. honest. And none of them can do it, so I do worry that that lineup is going to be something of a grind, um, especially before Jamal Murray gets back. I don't think you want to stagger MPJ and Jokic too much. I mean, because you want them to play together a lot. So w- without a Murray or Porter to help, um, you know, boost up that second unit. I do worry that teams will be able to sit in the paint. That and I know Faku fans are going to be listening to this and saying he's one of the best setup guys in all of European basketball and it's true but you got to have the right pieces around him. What I would say is I don't think this is a Faku lineup. I think yeah, it could be exactly. a very
0: good lineup, but I don't think it's a Faku lineup. I agree with that. First of all, you want the ball in Faku's hands initiating in this group as much as possible, but then you run into issues like you pointed out with the three-point shooting, but how about also just the lack of penetration and or um, you know, yeah, the penetration threat and lack of a role partner. I mean, Faku does not create much pressure when he's got a lane to the rim. Uh, at this point, I think uh, NBA defenses should know he could be an inch from the rim. He's still looking to pass first. Uh, and then he doesn't have a guy who can sort of roll in there and, and sort of make trouble and, and change the geometry of the floor for him. So I actually, I think Jeff Green will help a lot but they still don't necessarily have any sort of turn the corner guys. And I worry about that.
1: I think they're going to be a good defensive lineup and we're going to get to that in a little bit. There's another question that will let us dive, dive into that, but offensively I do worry that they're going to be hot or cold as they were last year. I mean, there were stretches where that bench unit would go like six points in five minutes and it's just, it was a grind. I worry that might be the case as far as Teddy or drew. It's inner I don't have strong thoughts about this to be honest. Like I don't I don't Let's do it. I do this Let's every try. single every single year for the last six years or whatever it's been for the Broncos where we're like trying to pick between two quarterbacks that neither one of them like really ex- surprise me or excite me. But I will say the fan base with the Broncos being able to like be outside of that bubble and looking in at it, the fan base is so passionate, wanting it to be Drew Locke because Drew Locke represents one, their guy drafted by him, and two, whether this is true or not, he is the upside play like, Oh, but he could be anything. And if you get over this, this hump, like what happens to drew Locke once he's over this, you know, young player hump, and now he gets to unlock that strong arm he's got. And it really reminds me when you're on the outside of it, you see, you see the patterns of conversation, you know, I don't know where the validity lies. I don't know football well enough to say, but I will say, I know that we do this with our own players uh, you know, whether it's a Michael Porter or whether it's a lesser player, like say a Juancho Hernan Gomez, where we look at it and it's like, yes, but if he just gets over this hump, then you wouldn't trade him for anything or you would, then he's this thing. And it's like, but what is he right now? And it seems, that's my read on it, that Teddy Bridgewater represents a lower ceiling, but currently better player. And Drew Locke just represents the, like a chaos, could be the greatest, could be the thing that sinks your entire season. And it's just interesting to
0: see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have any chance at a a great offense with Bridgewater in there, right? And I think the hope is that with Locke, whether it's now or down the line, you get to that point where you're not just surviving, but it's great. What I don't have a good perspective on is just how good the team is outside of that, right? Like how close is this to a Trent Dilfer situation where you just – Go with Teddy, fewer mistakes, trust the defense, and maybe this team's far better than people realize now. Kale, you know far Kale, more you than we do.
1: i not here to talk Broncos, man. I wanted to, I only answered this question <laughs> was in the abstract. We, were, we, we went full football there for, but. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I'll just leave, even though I know some things about
0: the Broncos more than us, but, <laughs> but get out of here, Kale.
1: <laughs> the point is, like, people are going to get really pissed if we talk Broncos, and rightfully so. I they know. should get really pissed. I, I just wanted to bring it up more about looking at the bubble from the outside. And seeing this thing and saying like, oh, I can see where if you are a more pragmatic or cautiously inclined person, like you might lean one direction. And if you are more of a, hey, let's throw the Hail Mary here or like this is our guy. Because let's be honest, man, the, the conversation on like our Broncos game shows has been kind of toxic in the chat. Like people mm, are going at each other. It's like terrifying yelling Terrible. at each other. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> like, like, Head and, of streaming kale.
1: And, and if you just look at it the way i'm looking at it where it's like okay there's reasons to think this guy there's reasons to think that guy it's just when you are not emotionally invested you really see the patterns of conversation that happen around it that, that's all i'm that, that's all i'm trying to get at it's sure. fun by the sure. way to be in the bubble so having strong takes about something that might be a 50-50 or 51-49 is fun it's like it's part of our sports experience that we lean into it but when you are not part of it and you're outside of it you just see it a little bit differently, and that's department.
0: that's actually my whole perspective on it. It's like, wow, this when you have no skin in the game, it's really easy to just be like, oh, I guess, I guess, Drew, because of the upside, and that's your whole yeah. take. But when you when you do what we like, if it's about the Nuggets, you need to have like a whole dissertation prepared to defend, you know?
1: Right, totally. Uh, let's take another break. On the other side, I know we have another question about that second five man lineup, uh, and I want to get to, but uh, and a couple other really good ones. We'll get to those after this.
0: All right. So if you're paying attention around the Denver sports community, you've noticed uh, a couple of updates. For example, what was once called Pepsi Center. It's now Ball Arena. And that is if you're right. paying attention to DNVR, they're also our partners. We're talking Ball as in the new Ball Arena, as in the Aerospace Technology Company, as in the world's largest aluminum can, and plant, manufa- uh, aluminum can plant and manufacturer. By the way, if you're into aluminum can plants and you're looking for work, I've got some good news for you. Ball is hiring right here in Golden, Colorado. You can apply for a position at their aluminum camp plant by texting GOLDEN to 77222 or go to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. Hey, boss, uh, when's the last time you manscaped? You know what? Don't answer that. But (laughs) I, I know you do it. I know you do it because you've got that sweet, Lawnmower 4.0. In fact, we all were recipients of the Performance Package 4.0. Uh, just some wonderful stuff going on in there. You obviously get that fourth generation trimmer, advanced skin safe technology. Good luck cutting yourself, although I don't recommend trying it. 4,000K LED spotlight on that bad boy. You also get some ball deodorant, a nice little dop kit. Some, some There's a whole lot of stuff going on in there. Check it out for yourself at manscaped.com. And remember, when you use code DNVR, you get 20% off. Plus free shipping. Think about that. That's a great deal. So if, if you want to start manscaping, but you're just worried about the equipment, like a rusty pair of hand scissors, maybe using your face trimmers, washing those afterwards, change that up. Check out manscaped use code DNVR. Um, finally, well, look, this show is presented by DraftKings. They also bought an ad read. How about that? We are talking to you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Adam, as I sure you know, college football season. Well, it's pretty much here. And if you're looking to get in on the action, may I recommend downloading DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app using code DNVR, and boom, you're eligible for this no-brainer deal where if you place a $1 bet on any college football game, just place the bet. You don't have to win. DraftKings is going to pay you out in $200 in free bets so you can get that whole DraftKings profile rolling. You can start raking it in. You can start having fun with our friends at DNVR Bets. It's all at your fingertips. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any college football game. Again, that's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Kale, let's
1: get our next question here lined up for us. Mailbag Monday. Nuke Season. Nuke Season says, Interesting. Monte an underrated MIP candidate everyone is overlooking? I'll let you take this one vote.
0: I mean, I think he's probably too far in for uh, most improved at this point. We would be looking at Season 5 on the court. So I think that ship has probably sailed. Um, what we might be in line for though, is him solidifying that very best backup point guard in the league status Mm -hmm. or something close to it. I mean, if he comes out and obviously it's all going to be about Jokic and Porter, but if he comes out and is an adequate replacement in the meantime, Denver's winning games, staying keeping pace with, with years prior, you got to start looking at him as a guy that like Denver knows they can start him. Denver loves him off the bench. But all the other teams around the league are thinking, man, maybe that's our next, our next bargain bin starting point guard. Um, and that might even be selling him short.
1: It's funny. If you think about what makes most improved player, it's almost always talent, high draft pick that took two years to get going or three years to get going. That That's like, that's the formula. It's like the sixth man of the year is player that scores a lot off of the bench. Most improved right. is started really poorly. We all thought he was going to be great. Started poorly and then made the lead. Monte's not that. Like, he doesn't fit that criteria. But if we were to play devil's advocate and say, okay, what's the path there? Well, he is going to be a starter. He's going to play a lot of minutes. And he's going to have Will Barton, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic around him, all guys that can score a lot of points. Aaron Gordon, who's another, like, you know, I don't know if he's going to score a lot of points, but he's a well-known household name. So Monte, the least known and just surrounded by talent, you wouldn't be surprised if he had by far his most efficient season this year, if he shot like Mm. 43% from three and just had a great true shooting percentage, we know the assist to turnover ratio is going to be great. So does he get up to 15 points per game or something crazy like that, where you're like, okay, that, that would be the path. But I think even then it's probably going to go to some player like Alonzo ball or like somebody who's just came in with higher expectations. Who's ready to maybe take a bigger role.
0: Well, how about Michael Porter Jr.? And that's one of the biggest <laughs> reasons I would say not my, I would My two oh, – I think true. the two betting favorites and my two personal favorites are Porter and Zion, um, who are both right around in that time of their career. Zion
1: is so dumb of a most improved pick. Like, he would be the dumbest. He, did, well, didn't, he have, didn't he score 20 points
0: in like three straight months? Yes, but hear me out. You're right. If, you are right. If the Pelicans were any – I talked about this with Wind last week. Uh, if the Pelicans were any good – he would be your fifth place MVP getter, right? But they're going to be so bad that the he the voters may just give him most improved, right? Um, because he's going to have such a monster season. So, but if not him, I think Porter, like you talked about the criteria, Porter is like a handmade candidate. So, I, yeah, there's just too many name brand guys ahead of Monte. But that's not to the to the spirit of the question. Like, is Monte lined up for a, a sort of statistical jump? I'd say absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right, Let's go to the next one here, Kale. Oh, I think we lost Kale. Oh no, there he is. Um, uh, Miroslav, <laughs> the homie Miroslav. Look at that photo. Look how, how clean and look at look at that man. Incredible look pick. At. It's like what? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> Predict the net rating of Faku Rivers, PJ, Green, and Green lineup next season. Uh, I really like this one. So, we touched a little bit on this this uh bench unit. We talked about it from the creation standpoint. Let me give you some numbers here. Last year, Faku and Dozier on the court together as a two man lineup were a plus 5.9. If you added Jamichael Green to that list, Faku, Dozier, Jamichael Green, you get 331 minutes. I would call that a medium sample size, medium. And it was a plus 12.3 net rating with a 98.5 defensive rating. You think about it, all three of those guys are very good defensively in different ways. You've got Faku, who's the pest. You've got PJ Dozier, great help side defender with length, gets in passing lanes. Jamichael Green, just a solid, you know, interior defender and rebounder. And their offense was like good, not great, but their defense was otherworldly. You add in Jeff Green, who I think okay, he provides a lot. Like he could fit in. He's fit into all of the roles he's been asked to. He'll probably be in power forward position. He likes that. And you add in Austin Rivers, who is another good defender. That to me is. Four and a half good defenders with, with Jeff Green as like a half good defender. I don't know if he's a full good defender, but he's a half good defender. To me, that's a good defensive lineup. So I, I'm inclined to
0: think this will be a good net rating. I just think it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I actually think it'll be close to close to even one way or another. I don't think there'll be much, okay. like, you know what I mean, kind of in that plus or minus five range. I think the defense could be very good. Austin Rivers is an underrated so I think at the bench level, definitely an underrated defender at the two. Um, I think there's plenty of aggregate defense on that unit, and I was excited about that from the, from the time that offseason sort of wrapped up, if you will. I, I We touched on this earlier. I do think this is going to be um, a frustrating process offensively. I do. I think there are going to be stretches where those bigs are going to be stretching the floor. They're going to have to knock down their shots. Um I think they both can. Like Across 82 games, you're going to see a good number. But how streaky is that? How does that come and go? How does that coincide with what P.J. Dozier is providing from the perimeter? Because without knocking down open threes, I just don't know how many avenues this, this group has to score. Yeah.
1: I, I'm going to say plus six. Um, and the reason I say that is because it's the lineup he laid out. Most teams' main lineups are positives, even like not great teams. The problem is staggered lineups. Can really become negative, and then like you have injuries that go through. Sure, sure, sure. And I think the same might be true this one. I could see a 109 offensive rating, a 104 defensive rating, where it's a really good defensive group, but it's not a good offensive group, but in aggregate, it works out. Um, so I, I could see that with that specific five-man lineup. It, it really does come down to the shot making of Dozier, Faku, and, and um Austin Rivers. And it's just hard for me to project that, to be honest with you. All, all three of those guys are so up and down uh, in that regard. But it's a really fun question, I think. I see another one here from Chase Luke that I found interesting. So I'm going to audible and bring this one up. Heading into the mm. season, were you more confident the Nuggets could win the title last year or this year? This year. This really? Year. Now, wow.
0: that's a different question than, like, give me a week after the trade deadline. Well, it's last right. year, for sure. But going into the start of the season – still reeling from the, the, the Grant departure and the what happens next and, and who's the small forward and what do we know about Porter. Um, a lot of hand-wringing about the Gordon shade that had yet to happen. Who who could that guy possibly be? So there were a lot of question marks last year. Whereas I think this year it's a little more, well, do I think it's going to happen? No, I think this Murray thing puts a damper on the whole season. But you're still there's still an avenue to, Hey man, they start the playoffs with those five guys starting, and if that's the case, I look around the I look around at the West. I don't think it's I don't think it's any more locked in than it was last year. It's very very competitive, not necessarily easier, but yeah. there's still not one team where you go, oh, there's no chance. So I I actually think it's this year.
1: Um, I think uh I think last year I was more confident. I, you know I, I anticipated a trade. I thought Denver would make a trade. They did. They got Aaron Gordon and especially when, once they got him. I thought, okay, here it is, a perfect, uh, uh, you know, everything's lining up. This year, the Murray injury is just so tough, man. I mean, we saw the workout video with him. In fact, Kale, you can bring that up on the screen if you have it ready to go. Um, you know, it looks great. Like, I love seeing him working out. I love seeing him in the gym. His body doesn't look like he's, like, really changed his body, and it, you know, you worry maybe he's going to gain a bunch of weight or lose a bunch of weight or something like this. Like, he looks pretty strong. The one thing I'll say is, obviously, he has a lot of work to do. First of all, look at this, man. What a beast. Get Getting that work in right off of the injury. But, you know, it's just as a reminder, as much as it's exciting, and I know I really think Jamal's going to push himself in a good way to, to get back at, at, in a timely fashion, this part goes slow. And then even when you come back, all of the things coming back to you also go slow. Like, it just – He's going to come back maybe mid-February, early March, and then I just don't know that he will be himself at any point, even that playoff. So for me, sadly, I go last year, but I hope I'm wrong. There's enough to get excited about here. Look at this. Come on, Jamal. Hell yeah. All of our hopes and prayers lie with Jamal Murray.
0: Oh, no pressure, kid. No pressure. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, again, the question is, and some of the, the optimists here on this very question, like Matt Moore, surprisingly, right? Like it, look is is can Murray just be enough that he's still a guy that factors into a defensive game plan, even if he's not the guy that we saw one year ago today? Uh, can that be enough? And look, it's it's still it's the Suns, the Jazz, and the Lakers, right? I mean, I guess Golden State sneaks into this conversation now, but none of those teams got so much better that you're going, oh, this is hopeless, right? Yeah. Especially after the Bucks just won a title with an injury-riddled route to the, the to the trophy, which they're not apologizing for, nor should they. We saw the Raptors do that not too long ago. You put yourself in position, and who knows, maybe the injury looks on your side. I just think this team is, they've got a chance to be really, really good. I'm, I'm not as, I, I'm i am cautiously optimistic, but I'm leaning into the optimism.
1: There you go. Let's do one more here, Kale. One more question for us before we get out of here. Uh, big Honey123, I'm the long run – or I'm the long run? In the long run, can Bones play the two or does he need to be a one? Could Monte and Bones be the backup guards in 21-22? Love the question about Bones. I'll tell you what, I am still I still have Bones fever. Bones fever sounds like an actual disease. That maybe is not – It does, probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have bones <laughs> – Took bones- many lives across yeah. Europe. Yeah, that's <laughs> really tough in the dark ages uh by stuff bones fever man I'm still all in I am still so excited for this guy um I think he's a point guard I think he's a I think he's like Jamal Murray I think he's the exact same thing of would he be best alongside a true point guard I think yes but can he man the point guard position and can you ultimately get to a point where those are the one two I'm hopeful I mean people if you remember a couple years back I said that the out the range of outcomes for Michael Porter were best player of all time and like not in the league. Like when yeah. you're young, your range of outcomes can be really wide. Well, Michael Porters were especially wide because of the talent and the height and the physical tools. Bones, I don't think his upside is best player of all time. I think that's like <laughs> oh, well shy of that. You're not
0: but, that. Far, you're not that gone yet.
1: But I do think the range of outcomes include him being a starter alongside Jamal Murray, meaning he's so good that he is the guy you put in there at this very moment. A year from now, maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe two years from now, that's not the case. I don't know. But at least at this very moment, it does feel like a possibility to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I view him as a point guard, but what does that mean? Like there's still the situation he's in, which is playing alongside Monte or playing alongside Jamal, both guys whom I anticipate being around for at least the next handful of years. So it's I think that's gonna it's gonna have to be the case as Bones is gonna sort of crack into a rotation. With any sort of regular status anytime soon. But as you you and I have talked about this a couple of times, I'm I've seen enough that I think some of the sort of secondary ceilings on his on the point guard themes of his game are are too soon, too early.
1: No. We have one more Cal. We can hit another quick one if it's a quick one. We can go fast. We might be out of questions. I don't remember. Nope. Blairy Posa says, oh, Pastor Rhett says, very Nuggets-related question. If you guys had a 10-hour road trip to an away game and could only listen to one band, who are you bumping? I, like I, this one. I
0: thought at first I was like, oh, this is a fun question. I thought about it critically for 20 minutes. One band for 10 hours? I don't know, man. That's tough. I mean,
1: come on. Bob Dylan is 2,000 songs we could go through. Yeah, could that's, through that's like catalog. four
0: songs, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like th- that you and I would both enjoy, I could throw some Dr. Dog at some point in that road trip. Oh, well, Dr. But...
1: Dog for sure. Like Dr. Dog is easy listening. Like their music, they they are not a band that meaningfully evolved for year after year. And that's cool. Like that means you can listen to their whole catalog of music and you're just like, oh, this is e-. good road tripping music. Dr. Dog, let's, shouts to Dr. Dog. You have Great. another one? That's you're one for one so far.
0: Oh, I'm just laughing. Oh, not the I'm laughing at this. Adam and I, ten we hours in a road trip with <laughs> Grateful Dead. You'll never see us again. Find us in the in the in Joshua Tree. Just we don't off. get that high, man.
1: Come on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All uh, right, let's cue well,
1: up that. Let's cue up that outro music. Uh, Super producer Kale, hop on here because I'm late to this, guys. Because I was gone for a week, and also because this got rolled out in a few ways. But everybody in the chat, I want you guys to give a shout out. I used to call him Super Producer Kale. I can't call him that anymore. Super head of production, Kale, uh, a well-deserved Ooh, promotion. You just gave me Ali's title. She'd be quite mad. Oh, wait, what? A uh, head of live stream. Sorry, head of live streaming. Head of live streaming. I screwed it up. Damn it. it up. <laughs> head of live streaming. <laughs> head of live streaming. So guys don't know this, but Kale came into the DWR company right when I did. Actually, a little bit before I did. Uh, when it was B- he, he worked for BSN. I never did. Um, but he came in as an intern, and he worked his way up, and... He is like one promotion away from being my boss. It's crazy. I don't know how this happened. Um, it's,
0: it's a great It's a great example of, of what it, you know, if you want to work here, what it takes, what it looks like. All you got to do is uh, grind your way from the bottom to the top and let us bully you live on the internet the entire way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so take true. your lumps like a champ. So congrats to
1: Super Producer Kale. All the accolades are coming in. They're they're coming in. All of the, all of the chat. Everybody i think kale might be the favorite of everybody in the chat he
0: definitely right? his his thanks. q score or whatever you, his q
1: yeah, scores really through the roof all the kind yeah <laughs> absolutely through the roof so thanks everybody for monday it feels good to be back it feels really good to be back good to have uh, you back man good to have you back th- thanks i wasn't fishing for that but uh maybe, no, maybe i mean it all right everybody we're gonna be back all week with brand new shows thursday i'm gonna go ahead and tease this already thursday keeping it at 6 p.m. We have a special guest, Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed is going to be on the Keep It at 1000 podcast. What? This, this Thursday. I we have down. plenty of I things to talk about. This. It's going to be exciting. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Real Colorado people know that the best way to get your education online is through MSU Denver Online. And guess what? Now's the time to apply and register for classes. That's right. MSU Denver Online is offering free application fees to any and all students. That's $0 for your application fee. doesn't matter if you're looking to get into undergrad, graduate, or just take online classes. Use DNVR Sports to waive your application fee. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. Go and build your toolbox at MSU Denver Online. And remember, use DNVR Sports to waive that application fee. No more excuses and no need to choose between the convenience of your life and the importance of that education. Get it all done, MSU Denver Online.